0: Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Now, it will not be news to any of you listeners to hear that we here at Cracked Rackets love ourselves some college tennis. However... Perhaps something you've heard us discuss with far more frequency of late are the countless successes former collegiate athletes are now having on the ATP and WTA Tour. And on today's show, we can look behind the scenes at what that transition is like going from the collegiate level to the pro game with our guest, who has had so much success to kick off his pro career. He's a former UNC All-American and current ATP 201, who, of course, you all know as ranked Hijikata, who joins us on the podcast today to discuss what his first year and a half on the pro tour has been like, of course, for Rinky to have as much success as he has had. He's won six pro singles titles. He got the opportunity to compete against world number one, Daniil Medvedev, in Los Cabos last week. So many different experiences for him to share with us on today's show. Of course, we also had to nerd out a little bit, talk about his time at UNC, what it was like to compete for national indoor. Or championships in both 2020 and 2021, which of the two teams was better given the context of those college tennis seasons. And of course, took out some of the other things, some of the other passions Rinky enjoys in life, whether it be uh, his Parramatta Eels, of course, his go-to rugby team back in Australia or his pursuits on the golf course. Plenty of fun uh, for you listeners on today's show. Of course, before we get to it, have to give a massive shout out to the support we get from our friends at Swing. Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all innovations happening regarding artificial intelligence within the sport. Ten- Simply put, Swing Vision makes it significantly easier for you to improve your own tennis game. All you got to do, download their app. Then when you go and hit the court, all you got to do is record your hitting session with the Swing Vision app. Swing Vision will do the rest. It'll break down the errors, break down the winners, break down what you need to work on as you look to improve your own tennis game. And you'll have all that information in the palm of your hand. To learn more, just click on the Swing Vision link in the description to this podcast user promo code crack 20 when you do inevitably sign up not only we'll let them know that we sent you there but of course you'll get 20 dollars off plus a free 14 day pro membership i'm telling you folks it is the next generation of tennis coaching it's going to be in the palm of your hand and it's going to be with our friends at swing vision learn more by clicking on that link in the description to this show with that said let's get to it my conversation with the one and only rinky hitchikata Amazing, please, please, please. Joining us on the podcast today is a former top 10 ITF junior in the world, an ITA All American, and a man currently sitting at a career high of world number 201. Welcome onto the show, Rinky Hijikata. Rinky, welcome. How are you doing today?
1: I'm very good. Thanks for having me on.
0: No, oh, it is my pleasure. And what is so amazing to me is you've played north of, you know, by my calculations, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You've played 126 matches in the past 19 months that you have the energy to even chat with us for a 30 minute stretch of time. Much appreciated on our <laughs> end. And so, you know, with that question in mind and in that spirit, you know, you're coming off of a, a an appearance in Los Capos where obviously you were able to qualify, get a win in the main draw got to face world number 1 Daniil Medvedev talk to me about that experience what's it like to game plan for the world number 1
1: um yeah i mean it was unbelievable for me to be able to play in in Los Cabos um it was one of my it was my second tour event i think ever and you know just to be able to qualify there and play in the atmosphere that was on center court there was unbelievable and obviously uh i was very happy to you know get through a few of those matches and have the chance to have a crack at uh daniel and um yeah i mean it, it is tough to kind of find ways to try expose him a little bit or as much as you can and um but yeah it was a lot of fun playing there and you know he's uh he's number one in the world for a reason he was very tough and um but yeah just super fun and i'd be pumped to get the chance again sometime
0: yeah, look, four and three is about as good as anyone did last week. Like, that's an impressive performance, let's be honest. And what's so amazing to me, and I want to get back to that match, but according to your ITF website, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're playing a 25K in Columbus this week. Is that true? And, you know, talk to me about that scheduling, because in my mind, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm actually in Columbus at the moment. I'm scheduled to play tomorrow. Um I kind of, so I had entered Chicago main draw, just thinking I'd I'd hopefully get in there and then um, didn't enter qualies. So I could hopefully, you know, sneak into Montreal qualies. I, I entered there as well and just entered kind of this as a backup. Um, I ended up being like, I think two out of Chicago. I, I, I would have been in Montreal qualies had I have gone, but you know, the list dropped so late and I would have gotten there so late. I would have gotten in like one in the morning on the day mm-hmm. I played, um, it just would have been a very quick turnaround and with not the guarantee to play either. So, you know, I just before the US Open as well, I, I thought, you know, probably a good thing to get a few matches in. Um, hopefully, you know, get a get a few wins here and um, build from there. And yeah, I mean, even here, like the competition is is nails, So um there's no easy matches still. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy to, you know, play a few matches and hopefully get a bit of a uh, bit of momentum going.
0: Do you feel more comfortable going from an event like Los Cabos? I mean, again, 126 matches in the past 18 months. The majority of them have been at the 25K level. What's that transition like from a mental standpoint? Because you have the grandeur of, you know, the 250 in Los Cabos. You've got the world number one there and Nori and Felix, all these guys. What's it like making that transition and going from that sort of event to, you know, a 25K where you've got the target on your back?
1: Um... I mean, I—it's not too bad. It's more like you know, I've uh, everything in Los Cabos is is unbelievably organized. You know, they breakfast, lunch, dinner is covered. Uh, hotels unbelievable and um, right on the beach. And you know, just everything uh, is is a lot easier at the tour level, I think. And you know, we've rocked up here, and uh, you know, we're having to pay for parking at the courts yeah. every day. And um, yeah, like one can of balls every day for practice and having to yeah all all that kind of stuff is is uh is obviously it it was nice going up levels and you know everything just seems a lot easier and then yeah but I mean playing wise is uh, I guess you know it's it's, I don't know I I feel like you know at the end of the day you're you're playing one match per round and you're just trying to beat them so everything else apart from that that I do throughout the week is pretty similar um Yeah, I mean, it's not too different, to be honest.
0: I think Sam Paul and Tripp Phillips would approve of that answer. Um, I think it's a good answer for what it's worth, and I'm curious because, again, you go up against world number one Daniil Medvedev. You talked about how difficult it is to manufacture opportunities for yourself. You know, I went back and watched some film of some of the matches you've played of late, a match that stood out to me. I remember distinctly you played Ben Shelton in Orlando, and, you know, you ended up beating him three and six, but I remember watching him hit a kick serve out wide on the deuce side and looking at your face and you were just like what am i supposed to do like that you you were just like there i got nothing there like that's too good and i'm curious you know for you as you've advanced levels you know what what are the differences what are the things you've seen and what sort of adjustments do you have to make accordingly
1: um you know i think the yeah the the higher you go up and the better guys you play like there are going to be times where you know, it's kind of completely out of your control you know like you can do um stick to your plan as well as you can and you can kind of execute at a high level but still like they're gonna sometimes come up with stuff that's just you, you don't really get a play at um you know playing against someone like Shelton like he's serving rockets it's very very tough to you know get make any inroads on his serve um and playing someone like Medvedev like he just just doesn't really give you anything like you have to serve unbelievable to get a free point and if you're not then you know he's, he's not missing too many from the back so uh Yeah, it's just um, whereas I feel like sometimes you're in a bit more control of the match and the outcome and you can kind of set up points the way you want um, at futures and somewhat in challenges. Like once you go up levels, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit taken out of your hand
0: fair we don't know each other particularly well but just so you know i sent a group chat to will blumberg brian Cernok and matt Kiger and i said hey i need all the ammo i can get and just so you know you know yeah. i consider myself part of the carolina family yeah there you um, go yeah so therefore i can ask this question and feel free to swear at me you know <laughs> against medvedev you make 45.9% of your first serves is that you serving like shit, or is that you being like look i have to go for more otherwise it doesn't really matter
1: um oh yeah I mean probably not good enough is it uh that definitely wasn't in the game plan I can tell you that much you know uh, fair I was hoping to serve a bit higher percentage there and maybe get a few more free points but uh yeah I mean again it was probably not the best serving day uh also kind of multiplied by the fact that he is so tough such a great returner like you feel like you have to hit your spot so well and I guess maybe I was pressing a little bit and um. yeah, I mean, that's something I'd probably, probably want to bump up a little bit for my, for my <laughs> matches coming up and if I ever get to play someone like that again. But, uh, yeah, definitely wasn't wasn't planning on a 45% first serve. Percentage.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I imagine, yeah, that wasn't in the scouting report. It yeah, was at not, 47 yeah. for what it's worth. You were like, if yeah, I can hit 40, 40- 48
1: and above. Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. That's a winning performance for you. Um, But, you know, again, I mentioned that match number, 126. That's a lot. Obviously, you're trying to launch your pro career and it's worked. You're up to 201 in within a year and a half's time. But, you know, why play so many different events? You know, last year, I think it was you played over 50 in like a six month stretch of time. You know, why make that decision?
1: Um, I mean, first off, when I took the fall off last year, I was trying to get as many matches as possible because, you know, I had a limited amount of time. I only really had six months and that was kind of my six-month testing period to to kind of see whether whether i you know had the goods or not to to leave early and um i think the best way or the only way you can kind of really find that out is if you play a lot and play a lot of matches play uh, against a lot of different people and you know it's it is tough playing week in week out but i think that's kind of the the rigor of uh playing on the atp circuit and um i feel like that's also the best way to probably get better you know you you can practice all you want but it's not really the same pressure you're not getting exposed in certain ways that you wouldn't in match situations so for me yeah the the only real option was to go out and play as much as i could and then i also um kind of wanted to get out of the futures as quick, quick as i could um because you know it can be grueling trying to play futures, uh, for a long time and it can, uh, you know, it's tough to kind of do well every week. And if you're not doing well every week, then it's tough to get out if you're not playing a lot. So that was kind of my, my plan, I guess. And, uh, you know, I'm happy I played that much because coming into this year, i felt really match fit and yeah. You know, it's, I guess it's worked. All yeah, while, I was so. going to say,
0: for what it's worth, it's clearly working. I mean, <laughs> look at the schedule now. You're coming off of a win in Los Cabos, and you talk about that grind on the future circuit. May of 2021, you and North Carolina are coming off of a national indoor championship winning season, which we're going to talk about. I promise. Um, you, you know, you make the round of 16 at NCAAs, or maybe it was quarterfinals. Either way, you're an All American that season, and you know you go from the beauty that is the campus of the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill to a month in Tunisia. What is that transition like?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was tough because I got a few weeks off as well. I was rehabbing my ankle uh, in Chapel Hill. You know, life was pretty good. Um, met my girlfriend at the time as well. And, you know, everything was is going well. And then I've gone a week into, Tunis- oh, no, month in Tunisia. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty bloody hot there. Yeah. Uh, no washing machines, no laundry. Um, yeah, it was tough. I was sharing a room with two other Aussies, uh, both at Tulsa, Cody and uh, Connor DeMarco and of course. at Tulsa. And we'll sharing a room with barely any space. You know, I was on the little pullout. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't wasn't glam. But uh, I mean, in saying that it actually was it, it wasn't uh, it's quite a nice place. It's on the beach. You know, the you, food's quite good there. So um, but yeah, a month there was a long time, it felt like. Felt like an eternity, but I feel like it was good for me, you know, kind of, kind of made me realize like, yep, this is really one of what I want to do. I really want to have a crack. And, you know, if I can do this and tough it out here for a month, especially when I'm maybe the first few weeks I wasn't doing so well, then, you know, I can, I can kind of guts it out for the rest of the year
0: what's tougher the tennis or just the living adjustment like I could see you guys being like well I made semifinals this week so I get one of the beds like that's just how this is going to work or you know is it adjusting to that or is it the rigorousness of like four consecutive you know you may have made second round the first two times but during that span you're playing what 13 total matches that's a lot of tennis on the body
1: yeah I mean I think it's more the when you're in the tournament I felt it was fine you know you're playing a match every day you're getting a bit of a groove you know you're breaky, you play your match lunch dinner and it's, it's pretty cruisy but um when you're out of the tournament I mean there are barely any practice courts so we're getting up at five in the morning to just to try get a hit in and sharing four a court with like the oldest tennis balls you could imagine like it was it was uh it was more that sort of stuff that was kind of a bit grueling but you know when you're in the tournament it was actually uh it was actually fine. I felt it was fine. You know, you're getting a bit of a rhythm and a bit of a daily schedule and, you know, you're, you're on your way. So, yeah.
0: I like that. A little bit of brekkie and then you fire in the match. We hit lunch, still make it time for dinner. Yeah, that's how it works when you're cruising. Um, You know, you mentioned meeting your girlfriend during that stretch of time. Word on the street is that Matt Kiger introduced you to said girlfriend. Is that true?
1: yeah there is a little bit of truth in that um you know kai yeah kai gave me a little bit of a push and by a bit of a push he uh definitely egged me on for about 45 minutes but um you know i guess he's done he's done pretty well there so i think i owe kai one
0: 45 minutes of matt kiger is more than enough that's like yeah, it's, that's it's that's definitely yeah, more than enough uh, the perfect definitely more than enough. no i i agree with you and again talking about some of your Carolina teammates I mentioned in the intro you're a former world junior number nine you had made the quarterfinals of the junior Australian Open you were top 750 in the world going into college and you know all of us tennis nerds remember we hear this freshman Rinky Hijikata coming into North Carolina wait did he just went around at the Australian Open qualifying prior to coming to school like and this kid's gonna come play college tennis my question to you would be why why come to Carolina why was college tennis right for you?
1: Oh, I mean, I think, uh, I was always kind of planning on coming to college, especially I I had a few years there in juniors where I was, I was hurt quite a bit and I wasn't playing too much. So kind of wasn't tracking along the way that I'd hoped to be. And, you know, uh, yeah, I think my mum also really encouraged me to go to college, just, you know, it's something different, start your degree, and um, what's the worst that could happen, and especially for me, I felt like I needed a few years to to kind of develop and get better, I think, you know, I I don't think I was quite ready at that time to kind of hit the tour full-time, and I think there were definitely areas that I needed to improve on, Um, and then why Carolina? I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I think Chapel Hill kind of speaks for itself, and You know, the team there is obviously very tight-knit. I've not met a group of guys like the UNC tennis team and, you know, just a bunch of very good blokes and uh, the coaches there as well. Coach Paul and Tripp have done such a good job and they've helped me out so much and helped out the rest of the team so much. And, you know, they care. They care (laughs) unbelievably about their players. So, um, yeah, I think that's why and... I don't – it's been probably the best decision of my life. So, yeah.
0: Did you know much about college tennis prior to coming to school? Because I know there's a strong Australian heritage in college tennis. There are plenty of players who have come over and had tons of success. But, you know, what – you say it was in the plans. Was that a known plan? Like is college tennis – because we always talk about its relevance. It's nice to hear it was a relevant pathway in Australia.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I knew – like too much, but obviously like I'd heard through, through different players who had gone and, you know, a lot of them and said that it was a great experience. You know, it, it's a lot of fun and, you know, you got a lot of chances to get better and play a lot of matches. Um, my sister actually went to university in the U S as well. So I kind of had a bit of, a bit of uh, information from her and she really encouraged it as well. She thought it was great and she thought it'd be great for me. So yeah, I had a, definitely had an idea, but like you know, I had no idea how the seasons worked. I had no idea about the conferences. Didn't really know too many schools either. So I also had my coach back home at the time. Um, Dave Moore kind of helped me and get me in contact with coaches and stuff, which was a major help because without that, I probably would have been pretty, pretty clueless, to be honest.
0: No, and obviously you get thrown to the wolves as your first season at Carolina is that COVID year. Now, again, uh, Cracked Rackets fans will know, Carolina tennis in particular these last three years I got a second degree in it with all the tennis matches we've called for your school let's start with the big question let's get some people angry at us true or false the 2020 team was clearly better than the 2021 team
1: oh what our team
0: yeah UNC That the 2020 team, maybe not relative to one another, but relative to the field. I'm 100% sure the 2020 UNC team, because, you know, we were there calling the national indoor final. I got to see young Rinky in his first couple weekends on the job. That team, with that will, there was just an edge to you guys. And I feel like that was the better team, despite the fact that the 21 team won the title.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it definitely even the playing field a little bit, the fifth year, um, you know, I, I felt like a lot of a lot of good schools had brought back very good players while also adding good recruits. And obviously the a lot of the teams became very deep, you know, like there really wasn't a, a drop-off at five or six or anything. Everyone on the lineup was a very, very good tennis player. Um, and also in saying that, you know, I think, I mean, our team, I think, was, I mean, we had the exact same lineup pretty much, but I think, Maybe we struggled a little bit with uh, with health in our second year in 2021, I guess. And that maybe um, hindered us a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say in hindsight. You know, you, you look at everything and you can pick and choose what you want to look at. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at the time we thought we were we had a great team. You know, I would have backed anyone in our lineup to, to get the job done on the day. And, um, yeah, I mean,
0: I guess... What was that like to join a twelve and one team that year? A team that clearly had national championship aspirations, and you know you have guys like Will and Ben who have been as good as any players in college tennis. Veterans like Simon and Mac, all these guys. What's it? You know, was it the level you were expecting? Was it more? Was it less? What did you think?
1: No, I mean it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. You know, coming into college, like it was a big goal of mine to you know compete for the big titles and play the big matches, you know, and against the big schools, you know, that's why you want to play college tennis. Like, you know, you want the rowdy atmosphere, you want, you know, the big crowds and everything. And that, that's why it's so enjoyable. Um, having gla- guys like Blum, um, Benja, Cerny and Peck, on everyone, you know, they, they definitely helped me uh, kind of transition into that because my freshman year, I didn't really know what was going on too much. You know, I felt, uh, you know, I felt a little bit of pressure coming in because I felt like, you know, like there's a bit of expectation here. I, I want to do as as much as I can to help the team win. And then quickly that was kind of pushed away because everyone's winning too quick and I couldn't even finish a match. So, <laughs> um, you know, Coach loves playing clinch. So my record, I think my freshman year was like 2-0 and or something. And we played <laughs> like 15 dual matches. So, um, But yeah, it was a lot of fun for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm curious, you know, again, the energy. I remember seeing a young you. I remember the Ohio State match in particular, because I think you did get a win on the board in that match. And I just remember you going nuts and just being like, oh yeah, like if this is the energy he's going to bring match in match out, he's pretty good at tennis as well. It felt like college tennis was the right channel for you in that moment, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I, I love playing in front of crowds. You know, it's a lot more enjoyable when even last week in Mexico, like there was big crowds and, you know, some people might look at that as a negative, like more pressure and more expectation. But for me, like, I I just, I just find it so much more enjoyable, you know, And, and the team atmosphere in college as well, you're playing for something bigger than yourself, which is, which is really motivating for me and um, you know I, I want to put in the work and I want to get the win for the guys around me and the guys who who aren't playing as well because they don't get a chance to you know go out there and change the result but you're they're kind of dependent on you so um, I really like that and yeah I mean a, lot, a few of those matches and other teams getting a bit chippy and uh, and all that and, and I mean I just yeah I feel like I'm a pretty competitive guy and As soon as that starts going on a little bit, I feel like that really raised my level. So, yeah, that was definitely fun.
0: In that spirit, you get to replay one of them, winning the National Indoor Championship in 2021, the Henry Squire match, ACC semifinals, also 2021 season, or that Ohio State victory, because I remember seeing you guys get to that final, what it meant in that moment. You get to pick one of the three. Which do you replay?
1: Um... I'm not sure. I mean, like winning, winning the indoors was unreal, just cause I mean, it was just pretty special for, for our group of guys. Um, it'd been something we really wanted to do and it'd been a massive goal for us. Um, and at that time, like it, it was such a high, it was such an unbelievable feeling. Um, at the same time, that ACC semifinals was was pretty cool. Um, being down 3-2, playing next to Peck and being moved on the indoors. I think we'd struggled against Wake a few times um, in the last few years before that, and that was my first match, I think, back from my ankle I did against Virginia. I hadn't played too much. I hadn't really been practising either, so, you know, I was under the palm. for Henry was obviously playing massive on the indoors and... Uh, that was pretty cool as well, just like, you know, seeing the reaction of the guys once I saved a few matches and managed to get it done, and then trying to will peck on and in his third set buster, and him just ripping that forehand to, to clinch was, yeah, that, I mean, that was, both of those, pretty pretty tough to
0: beat. Yeah, uh, a fun moment, certainly, to view as a fan. I have a theory, and it may be silly, and call me out if it is, but I feel like th- why college players are having so much success right now on the pro tour. It's because guys like you or the Nuno's of the world, the Norries of the world, you can go on and on and on to be the best at something. You just get confidence from that, that you can't match anywhere else. And like you, Nuno, all these guys, you were some of the best college tennis players in the world. Like, again, it's not the biggest group of people, but to be the best at something, I feel like that does numbers for your confidence. And when I look, obviously, now at the Pro Tour success, you've had six titles in the last 18 months. Did you gain that confidence from your college tennis experience? Has that been helpful on the Pro Tour?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just coming in, playing a match, you know, two matches every week and um, just chalking up wins is massive, I think. You know, just being in those pressure situations and being able to respond well. Um, I mean, I think winning's kind of a habit, you know. When when you start doing it often, I feel like it's so much easier to get out of those tricky situations and you just respond well to pressure. And, um, I mean, I think it did help my freshman year. You know, I was playing number three and, you know, Blum and Benja were just toweling up at one and two. So uh, it made my life a little bit easier, you know. Like I, I was still obviously playing against quality guys, but uh, it just kind of let me kind of you know ease into college tennis a little bit um I felt like I was I was playing quite well and once I started racking up a few wins it just became it it just I don't know it just became like a little bit like clockwork you know um you kind of get in those tight situations and you just feel like you know what to do whereas like if you lose a few on the trot I feel like it sometimes it is hard to come back from that and kind of swing it around
0: yeah, no, it's why I'm convinced if Cernok goes pro, he can be top 400 pretty quickly because what he's done the past two seasons, like when you just know I'm going to walk out on the court and win every match I play, that tra- you just to reach that level of success, it translates to other matches. When you're in pressure situations, you build that confidence that you can't fake. And by the way, I still think the most underappreciated moment, maybe not, maybe you guys talk about it, but Ben beating Sven Lå in straight sets in the indoor finals, like just out of nowhere, because he had not played well that week. And I think he would be the first guy to say it, was maybe an all-time moment from Ben.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's Benja, though. I think yeah. he loves the big moment as well. You know, he's not going to back down from a big match. And yeah, I mean, I back him 100% of the time to get the job done if uh, the chips are down, and that's exactly what he did. So, I mean, to be honest, I didn't – like. I wasn't really that surprised at all. I haven't ever really brought it up to him. Maybe I should, because he obviously uh, was a massive part of us winning that match. But to me, that was just like, I was expecting that. So, um, yeah, to me, it wasn't that big of a surprise. You know, Ben was a quality player. And I mean, I'm not really betting against him too many times in a college dual match.
0: Yeah, you and Ben, by the way, maybe the best doubles team of the twenty twenty season. That streak there at three doubles. Yeah, on not field. so much the
1: twenty twenty one. Yeah, look,
0: we're gonna forget that one. Sure we're gonna. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you need a divorce. Sometimes it's just it needs to happen. But you know, yeah, I
1: think yeah, uh, I think we kind of plateaued there a little bit. Maybe yeah. We 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 brought it back in the Winnipeg Challenger. We played a match there together, and yeah. I think uh, I think we can do all right if we get another shot. That's what I like. year it. of eligibility, we can slot back in at three dubs.
0: Yeah, look, you've got a couple left. Will's got at least one more yet left. We can run it back. It'll it'll yeah. all work. But you know, again, as you've transitioned to the pros, and I mentioned all the success. You're now seventy eight and thirty two since the start of last season. Which, by the way, not too shabby, my friend. Well, well done. Um, you know, the six titles as well. What are, what what's the biggest difference as you make the transition to the pro game from a tennis perspective? What are the things you just have to do better to sustain that level of success?
1: Um, I think, I mean, the big one's just staying healthy. Like mm-hmm. If your body's not quite right, it's hard to compete at a high level. If you take care of your body and you're feeling strong, you're feeling fit, then it's easier to kind of play every week. And um, also just, I think, you know, serve and return is massive in the men's game. If you're not serving well, if you're serving at forty five percent, it's tough to hold. If you're if you're not returning well as well, like it's, it's tough to get in again, make any inroads on return games. And yeah, I just think, you know, it's it's just such a big part of the game. So that's probably been the biggest thing I've been focusing on. And yeah, something I can probably get a lot, lot better as well.
0: Mm-hmm. What I'm curious, what does that look like? Because people say that you, you gotta focus on your body. Is it literally as simple as like I'm not doing McDonald's anymore. I'm not drinking soda anymore. All those little things or you know, what are the steps you take?
1: Um, I mean, I just think it's, it depends on the person. You've got to really know your body well. And for me, you know, I, I like doing a bit of gym, even when I'm on the road, even when I'm at the tournaments, just so I feel strong, you know, um, my body's feels like it's durable and, um, yeah, that I can compete at a high level and it won't break down. And then I guess just listening to your body as well. Like if you've got a niggle and it's getting worse or like, yeah, you really have something that's bothering you, then just, you know, just take a break, uh, get it sorted and then come back. And You know, it's tough to play every week with when something's not feeling right. So
0: <clears throat> from a tennis perspective, anyone who's watched you play, knows athleticism is not something you have an issue with, right? Speed-wise, you're going to be able to hang with just about any opponent you can play when, you know, given the health we've seen from you. Clearly, fitness-wise, you're able to hang as well. On court, you know, so frequently guys say, I, it just, I need to make life a little bit easier for myself. I need to find ways to manufacture more plus ones on the serve or whatever it may be. From a tennis perspective, is that the thing you're most focused on at this point?
1: um yeah i mean i think it's a big one just setting up the point so you're kind of ahead in the first two three shots is is huge because you don't want to be playing on the back foot too much especially when you start going up levels like guys are just so good when they're ahead in the point um it's it's tough to come back from if you drop a mid-court ball short and someone's running around for a forehand like at a certain level that's that's just trouble so you know just Making, making sure you're ahead in the points on serve, and when you're returning, you're trying to be neutral as quick as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, that'd be that'd be ideal if you could do that every single point.
0: <laughs> sure. No, I mean, again, you're facing a Shelton or a Medvedev, and they're just raining aces on you, and there are times you're like, well, that adjustment didn't work, and I can only imagine what those frustrations are like. Where are you training right now? Are you based still out of Chapel Hill?
1: Um, yeah, so I've, I've actually been – haven't been home to Australia since the Aussie Open – um, whenever I have my off weeks, I've been going back to Chapel Hill at the moment. Um, I actually spent a week training in Kiowa as well, at, um, down in South Carolina, which was really nice. Um, but yeah, mostly Chapel Hill. I, I like training with the guys there. Obviously it's just great at and, um, yeah, it's just a great place. You can't really beat it, but yeah, when it, hopefully I'll be able to go back home soon and I'll be training in Brisbane at the national training center there. Um, and then hopefully spend some time home as well in Sydney.
0: Is the North America challenger circuit frustrating at all because you see the same guys like week after week? Does that at all get, I mean, again, I imagine it's a little bit more diverse selection of players when you're on that ITF grind.
1: Oh, I mean, it's fine because you get to know everyone pretty well. You know, you make some good mates. Uh, It's also very nice when there's a few other Aussies around. Um, It helps, you know, just a bit of banter and just having someone who understands Australian sport as well. Have you
0: asked Jason Kubler like to just share his meals? you're like, whatever you're doing, I would like to do as well.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. He's doing something <laughs> right, isn't he? He's, <laughs> he? he's doing something right. I gotta get the the magic magic recipe off of him, but um, no, yeah, I mean he's doing unbelievably. He's uh, probably leaving me on the chally tour for very soon to play the tour event so hopefully I can catch up to him soon.
0: Mm-hmm. no you can go find it. yeah you'll have your shot and you know again obviously you're spending a lot of time grinding I know when you're off the court some of the things you like to do you're a big golfer is what I hear talk to me if if you were not a pro tennis player would it be a pursuit of that PGA card
1: probably not because I'm pretty bad <laughs> I'm pretty bad so like I, I don't think I'd be a shot at all uh I'd like to play hopefully I can get like a if I wasn't a tennis player, hopefully I could get a job that would let me play a lot, but definitely, definitely wouldn't be on the PGA, I can tell you that much.
0: Yeah. Does Will invite you or is he like, you're not good enough yet? No,
1: absolutely not. Um, <laughs> no, to be fair, he has We try to play in Mexico. We've tried to play a few times, but... I think I just hold him back a ton. So Um, (laughs) he goes plays with his uh, legit guys, and I just play with the scrappers um, (laughs) with uh, with Josh Peck and and Benja and. No, Kyger sent me a a video.
0: The draw. uh, I got a drive and a lot of bouncing. Might have hit the foot off the tee. Not your best work. Yeah, not pretty. (laughs) Yeah, no. You know what? It was pretty. Like the swing actually itself technical it looked it looked nice but the contact was rough
1: yeah so uh, probably the opposite of my tennis (laughs) my tennis (laughs) might not look shabby but at least i can kind of hit the ball in sometimes swing might look all right but it doesn't end result's not good
0: Uh, no i like it all right talk to me about the eels our eels three wooden spoons since the 2010s now are we how's our 22 squad looking
1: are you talking Parramatta Eels?
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Have you done your NRL research?
0: Ah, uh, look, I'm ready.
1: Gee who is that's, that's pretty good effort. Um, Eels are currently in like sixth, I think. I think they're in the top eight. They're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> and I think they're going to make a run. All right, we've, Eels we've are... Beating,
0: pl- yeah, no, go ahead.
1: We've, we've been beating the good teams. We've just been losing to the the bottom of the table scrappers. So if we can <laughs> sort that out, I think we have a genuine shot this year.
0: All right, that's what I like to hear. Haven't won the premiership since, what, 86?
1: Yeah, look, we were in the final in two thousand and eight or nine, I'm gonna say, around then, and we lost to the Melbourne Storm who were over the salary cap. So <laughs> I'm counting that as a premiership.
0: Okay. Little asterisk there. I like yeah, that. You know, much bit. like the twenty twenty NCAA title belongs to UNC, asterisk until you prove otherwise. Yeah. Uh we'll do that same thing heel for the Eels. I like Pretty that. Much, yeah. No, I I'm like good. to hear that. No, it makes sense. And again, as you look out, you know, I um, oh, will. Bloomberg's on TV or the Eels are on TV. Who are you watching?
1: Uh, I'll just go split screen.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, who's who's on the bigger screen?
1: That's who's the real the question. Screen? Uh, probably the Paramount of Eels.
0: Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, makes sense. I, I, we've all seen enough of Will. Enough serves. Enough forehands. You know. I mean, how many he's probably going to
1: win anyway. So, <laughs> like, yeah. At least when I'm watching the Eels, like the end results, not not certain.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And you know, again, with that in mind. 201 in the world you've played 12 challenger events i believe this season is that the focus for the rest of the year playing at the challenger level trying to yeah keep i think so
1: i uh, definitely i think uh hopefully fingers crossed this will be my last futures event for the year and and hopefully beyond um and then yeah hopefully uh obviously u.s open's a big one coming up and then after that i'll have a look at the schedule but yeah, I'm hoping to make a big push end of the year and, and and then go into preseason and a and good Aussie summer, hopefully.
0: I'm throwing it out there now. Numea Challenger Champion. Just lock it in. It just feels like that that would be a good event for you to win. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> that, that would, I'd take that for sure.
0: Yeah. I think JJ Wolf won it a couple of years ago it belongs in college tennis hands. And so I think so. Yeah. yeah it, it just checks out, but no, again, it's awesome to get the chance to chat with you, Rinky and appreciate you taking the time, especially again, to go from Los Cabos to Columbus. I mean, that's a testament to obviously your drive and it's been really fun to watch you have this success over the past 18 months. And, You know, throughout the course of your college career as well, and goes without saying. Anytime you're bored, you need to chat. You want to chat a little eels? I'm here for you. So always welcome back on the show.
1: Sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me. It's a lot of fun,
0: of course. And good luck this week.
1: Thank you. Cheers.
0: Hope all of you listeners enjoyed my conversation with former UNC All-American and current World 201 Rinky Hiji Kanta. A massive thank you to Renki for taking the time to chat. Seriously, imagine going from a Los Cabos ATP 250, you're playing the world number one, and then you're back on the grind on the Futures circuit in Columbus, just a testament to his work ethic. And I don't think I'd be the only one to say he's going to be as good as he can become as a tennis player. There's no doubt about that. Renki Hichikata will hit that ceiling is what that ceiling actually looks like manifested on the court. is going to be really fun to find out over the course of the next decade. So hopefully this is this may have been the first but hopefully not the last time we'll speak to rinky on this show of course as always a massive shout out to our super producer daniel westoff on the ones and twos who makes all of our content possible and who as always has a (laughs) event and job to do day in day out here at crhq a massive shout out to our friends at swing vision for their support of this podcast remember you can learn more about all the innovations they're doing regarding artificial intelligence in tennis by clicking on the link in the description to this show of course if you're looking for updates on everything happening in Canada this week a thousand level events happening on the ATP and WTA tour we're talking about it all on the mini break podcast we've got fun things coming for you all of course over on the great shot podcast feed as well and we broke all things down Serena Williams retirement announcement over on our YouTube channel so we're rocking and rolling here at Crack Rackets in our quest to ensure you remain the most well-informed best educated fans in the business with that said for our fantastic guest Frankie Hitchcock our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Cracked Records and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.